dedicated to suspense, crime, and horror stories from the golden age of radio. I'm Eric. I'm Tim. And I'm Joshua. We love mysterious old-time radio stories, but do they stand the test of time? That's what we're here to find out. This week, I chose an episode suggested by one of our listeners. Will writes, I have recently listened to all of the Weird Circle episodes, and I'm almost through the Hall of Fantasy. I was surprised by one of the episodes titled both The Legend of Drago and, more commonly, The Castle of Lavoca. It has a supernatural element to it, which is what I personally enjoy, and thought I would recommend it to you as possible future listener's choice. It'd be interesting to hear your take on the tale. Keep up the podcast. I really enjoy it. Hall of Fantasy premiered in 1946 as a murder mystery show on CBS affiliate KALL in Salt Lake City. The show was created by radio announcer Richard Thorne and sponsored by local furnishing chain Granite Furniture. Its successful run came to an end in June of 1947 when Richard Thorne left KALL for WGN in Chicago. In 1949, Thorne revived Hall of Fantasy for WGN, focusing less on mystery and more on supernatural horror. This version of the show ran until 1953 and was nationally syndicated by the Mutual Broadcasting System from 1952 to 1954. Most of the series' surviving episodes are from this later run. As Will noted in his email, there is some mystery surrounding the castle of Lavoca. Many radio logs, including the very reliable Digital Delhi site, theorize the castle of Lavoca is a rebroadcast of an earlier lost episode from 1952, The Legend of Drago. The Radio Gold Index supports this theory, suggesting the opening of the castle of Lavoca sounds edited just before the title is given, presumably to replace The Legend of Drago with a new title. Meanwhile, RadioHorrorHosts.com reports that Hall of Fantasy was syndicated again in the 1970s, and some of the surviving episodes might, in fact, be remakes of the original scripts with performances recorded in the late 70s. We'll let you ponder this mystery as you listen to The Castle of Lavoca from Hall of Fantasy, originally broadcast, to the best of the Internet's knowledge, March 29th, 1954. It's late at night, and a chill has set in. You're alone. And the only light you see is coming from an antique radio. Listen to the sounds coming from the speaker. Listen to the music and listen to the voices. And now, the Hall of Fantasy. Shortly after sunset in the dead of winter, they say a carriage drove through here. A carriage drawn by four cold black horses. Yeah. 
The carriage, too, was black, and the driver was clothed in a livery of black. He whipped the horses and drove them as if his life depended on it. No one saw who rode inside the carriage. But on his heels there ran a pack of snarling, howling wolves. He said that Drago, Baron of Lavoca, was going to make a pact with Satan himself. In just a moment, the Hall of Fantasy will present the Castle of Lavoca. And now for tonight's story. An original radio drama by Richard Thorne entitled The Castle of Lavoca. We were on vacation in Europe. It was a warm summer's day. Doris and I had cycled out from town, intending to find some inn along the way at which we'd spend the night. <sighs> what time is it, Grant? Oh, uh, let me see. It's about, uh... About a quarter after four, Doris. I think we'd better find some place to stay before it gets too late. Well, according to the map, there should be a little town about a mile away from here. Grant? Yes, dear? Look, over there. Where? Right over there. Hey! Why, it's an old feudal castle. That's just what it is. Hey, let's stop a minute. Right. Well, will you look at that? I've never seen anything like it. It looks like a, well, like history come to life. A walled fortress. Look at those three towers rising up from the walls. Oh, the whole thing seems to have been built in the form of a triangle. There only seems to be three sides to it. Well, from what I can see from here, it looks to be in pretty good condition. Mm, I wonder how old it is. Hey, Dor, I- I've got an idea. It's too late tonight, but why don't we find the inn and then tomorrow morning see if we can't go through that place? That sounds pretty good. As a matter of fact, you know, I wouldn't mind spending a day or two around here. It's it's beautiful country. Well, I say we do it. What about you? <laughs> you twisted my arm. <laughs> Grant. Uh, yes, dear? Maybe we shouldn't. Shouldn't what? Shouldn't go through that place. Well, why not? I don't know. It's, it's just that suddenly I... I felt cold inside. <laughs> You're just remembering a lot of stories about old castles and ghosts. There's nothing to worry about, Dor. The man who probably built that castle and all his descendants are only memories now. Memories can't hurt you. When we had first sighted the castle, I was quite surprised because there was no indication of its existence on the map I carried. And what Doris had felt, I had felt also. When I first looked upon it, I felt, as she had said, cold inside. What it was, I didn't know. But that feeling had passed. And the only feeling I had was one of enthusiasm for the adventure that was to come the following day. About a mile from the castle, we found the town indicated on the map. A little place called Lavoca. It was no more than a village with a population of a few hundred. The inn was on the other side of the town, and as we peddled through, the townspeople looked at us curiously. It took us only a few minutes to reach the inn and to enter it. A tall, dark man sat at a table, and he looked up as we passed him. Then he turned away again, obviously lost in thought. We were in a large room full of tables. There was no such thing as a reception desk, save for the bar at one side of the room, which served a double purpose. 
a bar and a registration desk. A large man with pounds of extra flesh stood behind it. Are uh, you the proprietor? <clears throat> do you uh, understand English? I do. <laughs> I was afraid... But I wouldn't. It happens that I do. Well, we'd like a room for two or three days. I, I hope you have something. All of my rooms are empty save one. It is occupied by the man you passed on your way in. I will be able to accommodate you. You are uh, American? Oh, yes, that's right. I'm surprised to see you with the world so close to war. We won't be in this one. Perhaps. I do not have many visitors these days. The hospitality of my inn is offered to you. If I may be of service to you while you are here, please let me know. As a matter of fact, you can. In what way? Well, we, uh, we passed an old castle on our way here. Do you think it would be possible for you us to... You must mean Lavuka Castle. Why? Well, don't know its name. It's laid out in the form a of a... triangle. Yes. Yes, I know the castle. It has a particular significance to the people of this area. Well, can you tell us anything about it? Later. After you've had the evening meal, you shall hear of it. Come. I shall show you to your room. As he led us upstairs to our room, we passed again the man who sat alone at the table. He was staring at us and made no attempt to hide the fact... As we went up the stairs to the second floor, I wondered why the innkeeper had seemed so afraid when I mentioned the castle. I had no time for further speculation, however, at least for the next hour. Our time was spent in cleaning up, and Doris kept talking of other things. Well, I'm ready to go back downstairs, Grant. What about you? Hey, look at the sunset, Doris. Oh, oh it's a beautiful sight, Grant. Grant? Yes? Look where I'm pointing to. Isn't that Lavoca Castle? Yes, it is. Stands out so in the sunset that it, it seems to be on fire. Grant, did you watch the innkeeper's face when you asked him about the castle? He seemed surprised. I I wouldn't call it that. I, I'd call it frightened. Perhaps you're right. And perhaps we, we should forget about seeing that castle tomorrow. Perhaps we should start back. We'll, we'll see. <laughs> you know, Dora, you make it seem so... It was so serious. We stood there by the window, looking out at the medieval structure that stood there at the base of the mountains. That afternoon, when we had first seen the castle, it had seemed to be a beautiful relic of a dead past. But as we watched it, bathed in the redness of the setting sun, it seemed to be a mass of molten rock. Little by little, the sun slipped down and the gray shades of dusk moved out towards the castle, advancing slowly, covering the walls with the dark shadows of night. And then it was gone from our sight, swallowed up in the darkness. I had a fantastic thought for a moment that Lavoca Castle was the dwelling place of... of death. Well, the meal was excellent and we were both quite hungry. At length... Well, it was over, and our host walked over to us. Some brandy, perhaps? Not for me. You? Or perhaps later. Not now. If you do not mind, I shall join you. Yes, of course. <clears throat> you say you wish to know about Lavoca Castle. 
Would you object to another at this table? I mean, another besides myself. Well, no, of course not. Malik? Yes? Malik, come here. What do you want? They desire to know of Lavoca Castle. Uh, there are strangers here? Yes, you you must have seen us come in this afternoon. You, you were sitting right over there at that table. Oh, yes, yes, I remember. Uh, please, sit down, won't you? Mm. Thank you. Yes, I know of the castle. Perhaps more than anyone. But we'd like to learn some of its history. I will tell you the story. Then we shall see whether you are still interested in Lavoca Castle. The castle was built centuries ago, sometime in the late 1600s. It was built by Drago, the first and only baron of Lavoca, a man renowned for his cruelty and his prowess in the arts of war. War was his life, the only life he knew, and he lived for the feel of a strong blade in his hand. He lived for one purpose, to kill. It is said that the only thing Drago feared was, was death. He dealt with it almost every day of his life, yet he feared it. He feared the day that he would die. It is said that he made a pact with Satan himself so that he would not die. This is the legend. One night, shortly after sunset, in the dead of winter, they say a carriage drove through here. A carriage drawn by four coal-black horses. Get out there! Get out! The carriage, too, was black, and the driver was clothed in a livery of black. He whipped the horses and drove them as if his life depended on it. Get out there! Get out! No one saw who rode inside the carriage, but on its heels there ran a pack of snarling, howling wolves. straight to the gate of Lavoca Castle. And the huge drawbridge was lowered to a little entrance. The carriage rumbled across it, but the pack of black wolves stayed outside. They stayed outside, and the sound of their howling voices drifted back to this town, and the people were afraid. People looked up towards the castle and they said it was bathed in an eerie luminescence. The visitor to the castle was there for the better part of three hours. And then the drawbridge was lowered again and the carriage rumbled out. It seemed to be going even faster. And the driver whipped and drove the horses. Yes! Till their mouths were white with foam and their eyes wide with fear. The carriage rushed through the center of the town and the people were so afraid they turned their eyes away. Lest by looking upon it, they should die. There were those who said they heard the sound of a crying baby coming from inside the carriage. But they thought they were mistaken. The following evening the news was brought to them that the baron's son had disappeared and was nowhere to be found. And as the man stood before them, telling the townspeople of what had happened, the shadows grew together in the night, and from the distance they heard... You are listening to the tale of The Castle of Lavoca on tonight's journey down the corridors of the Hall of Fantasy. 
We'll return to our story in just a moment. And now back to tonight's story, entitled The Castle of Lavoca. We sat there around the large oak table and listened to a story so fantastic it defied description. There were four of us in that room, the innkeeper, Doris, and myself, and Mark, the storyteller. He continued with his story. The shadows grew together in the night, and from the distance they heard the howling cry of a wolf. The face of the baron's servant blanched with fear, and he turned and made his way back to the castle. He never reached it alive. Well, of course, this is nothing but legend. Isn't that right? It is legend, yes, but it is also truth. But it can... What Marek says is true. I would stake my life on it. Let him go on with the story. I'd, uh... I'd like a little brandy for it. <laughs> I thought perhaps you might. For you? Thank you, no. Ah. Ah. Now then, uh, go on with your story. By your leave. As I said, they found the servant outside the castle gate, and there was a great uproar about his death. But the baron issued an edict that it was never to be discussed. And, of course, the people obeyed him, for by now they lived in superstitious fear of the baron. I must add that the night the carriage appeared, that night the baron's son was carried away. The war began. Of course, the baron went off to the war and distinguished himself in the field. The war was over in due time, and the baron returned to Lavoca Castle. He lived a quiet life in the years that followed. But 21 years to the night his son disappeared... It happened again. Again, it was a cold winter's night. The snow crunched under your feet and the air was brisk and biting. From the north, the wind began to blow. Then from out of the night, the carriage appeared again. It was exactly the same as that which had happened 21 years before. It was the same driver, the same carriage, and it even appeared to be the same horses. It flashed through the town and up the road leading to the castle, and in the back of it, the devil dogs ran, snarling and howling. Until the carriage rolled into the castle, and they sat outside as they had a generation before. But it was not for long, for in a few minutes the carriage appeared again. There was no doubt about it this time, for very clearly the townspeople heard... No, let me go! Let me go! In the name of... Ah! And in another moment the carriage was gone. The following day the townspeople learned that the baron's wife had disappeared. They knew who had come to claim her. That night, war broke out in Romania, and the Baron hastened to join the conflict. If I understand you correctly, both times the carriage appeared, war broke out? That is correct. What happened then? Just as he had done before, the Baron distinguished himself in the war and returned to La Boca Castle. By this time, the Baron was almost 60. Peace reigned for a period of 40 years, and sometime during that time, the Baron disappeared. He died? I say he disappeared. When did he die? There are no records of his ever dying. 
They say he lies at rest in one of the catacombs beneath the castle, waiting. Waiting? Waiting for what? Waiting for the war. The war? The black carriage has appeared each time war begins, no matter where it happens. And in each war, there has been a report of a man who calls himself Baron Laboca, fighting in the battles. That's fantastic. Call it what you will, but when the last war began, the carriage appeared and drove straight up to the castle. I was but a boy then, and I saw it with my own eyes. The night before that, we heard the wolves. Each time the carriage appears, the wolves appear the night before to warn us of its coming, to let us know we should guard ourselves. Now that you have heard the story, do you still wish to visit the Lovoka Castle? No. Yes. I don't care what you say. I can't bring myself to believe your story. I, I think it's nothing but superstitious nonsense. But, Grant... I'm sorry, darling. But I want to visit that castle. If you want, you can remain here. No, I'll, I'll go with you. What about you, Mark? Will you show us the way? Enter the castle with us? You say that in such a way that if I were to refuse, I would appear to be a coward. I shall go with you, American. Tomorrow afternoon will be all right with you? Yes. Let us have a drink to your trip. That's a good idea. Will uh, you join us, madame? Yes, I, I will. All right, then. To your trip tomorrow. To La Voca Castle. To La Voca Castle. La Castle. We went upstairs to our room shortly after that. The story Mark had told had been quite long and the hour was late. We went to bed, yet neither of us could sleep. Grant. Yes, dear? Don't you think we should go home soon? Why? Well, how long have we been over here? Well, since the middle of May. Well, this is August 30th. I've, I've seen enough of Europe. I want to go home. I think three and a half months is enough time to spend... Well, all right, Dora. When we get back to Murat's, we'll make arrangements to go home. Good. About tomorrow... What's that? What? I, I heard an animal outside. Oh, that was just a dog door. Go to sleep. All right. Good night. Oh, good night. It was the following afternoon. For some reason, we hadn't been able to get started until late in the afternoon. It was after three o'clock when we started out. We discarded our bicycles in favor of horses, which Mark had been able to procure for us. The trip up to Lavoca Castle was uneventful, and within an hour we stood at the edge of the drawbridge, looking into the courtyard. Shall we go across? Of course. It, it doesn't show any signs of age. It has been perfectly preserved. I'll take you on a tour of the inside. We can leave the horses here. Uh, I'll give you a hand, Doris. That's all right, Grant. I can manage. All right. Now, just follow me. Mark led across the courtyard and into the gray building. The huge wooden doors were slightly ajar at the entrance, and with an effort, Mark pushed them open and led us inside. We were in a huge hall, which must have served as both a reception hall and a dining place. From there, he led us into the baron's chambers... His wife's, which formed two sides of the massive triangle. Members of the retinue must have occupied the third side of the triangle. 
We visited each of the three towers which looked out across the countryside, giving a clear view of anything approaching. And then Mark led us down into the cells beneath the castle. Coming finally to another stairway, he turned to me. This leads down into the catacombs. Well, let's go down take a look at them. Perhaps we... Oh, nonsense, Tor. We both have flashlights. I see you brought a gun, Mark. Nothing could hurt us. Let's go. All right. Oh, it, it seems colder down here. Yes, it does. I shall show you where they say the day goes sleeping. What time is it, Grant? Why, it's, uh... Well, it's 7.30. Yes, we have been in the castle for several hours. We have been down here in the lower sections where there is no light for over an hour. I shall show you the Baron's resting place, and then we shall return to the inn. This is the chamber where he sleeps. Oh, Grant, there is someone in here. But this isn't a joke, is it, Mark? I have never been down here before. It is no joke, as you call it. I want to have a look at him. No, Grant, don't. I can't believe it. This man seems to be sleeping, yet... Yet he's not breathing. Let's get out of here, Grant. All right. I've been nervous ever since I heard that dog last night. You say you heard a dog? Yes. There are no dogs in this area. No animal will come within miles of the town and castle. The animal's spirit. That was no dog you heard last night. You mean? We have no time to lose. We must get out of here. Follow me. Yes. It was the warning you heard. I knew we shouldn't have come. Don't worry, Dor. We'll get out of this. I wish I felt that sure. Uh, the horses are out in the courtyard. It won't be long now. The horses are on the others. They're, they're gone. What are we going to do? Be quiet. Over here in the shadow. Yes. Perhaps you will not see us. Grant, the driver. Quiet. What's it? What's that noise? I don't know. The driver's pointing to the doorway. Oh. Grant. It's the Baron. Baron Lavoca. He's walking towards the carriage. Quiet. He's looking this way. Oh. He's turning away. He's getting into the carriage. Get up! Get up there! Before our eyes, the carriage wheeled around the courtyard and then thundered across the drawbridge and out into the night, followed by the snarling wolves. We found our horses later and went back to town. When we returned to the inn, the innkeeper was relieved to see us. The carriage drove through here a while ago. I thought you'd all be dead. Providence must have had an eye on us. Well, it will happen tomorrow. What will happen tomorrow? The war. The war will begin. The innkeeper was right. The night we saw the carriage in the courtyard of the castle of Oka was August 31st. On September 1, 1939, the Germans marched into Poland and the Second World War began.
tonight's tale of the unusual, the terrifying, the unknown. Join us again when next we journey down the corridors of the Hall of Fantasy to hear another strange tale of the supernatural. All characters and events portrayed in these programs are fictional, and any similarity to actual events or persons, living or dead, is purely coincidental. That was the Hall of Fantasy and the episode The Castle of Lavoca here on the Mysterious Old Radio Listening Society podcast. Once again, I'm Eric. I'm Tim. And I'm Joshua. That was uh, digging into our listener requests. We have a number of them. And just so you folks know, we are going to endeavor to move <laughs> through them faster. We have a plan that they'll be uh, more and more frequent listener requests. Uh, but this one came from Will. And uh, actually, uh, listener requests are great. It's so much less thinking. <laughs> yeah, I'll do that one. That'll be fine. And Will brought us this one. I love the uh, where did this come from aspect <laughs> oh, yeah. of this, which is very interesting to me, which I, I want to start with. We mentioned in the intro that the Hall of Fantasy was syndicated again in the 70s, and some of the episodes might be, in fact, remakes of the original scripts uh, with performances by contemporary actors. I found that on one website. Sure. And I mentioned it because I'd heard this episode before. I was mm-hmm. actually listening to it late at night with my wife. Right. And she pointed out immediately, like, this doesn't sound like the 1950s. No. These performances sound really contemporary. Or even the 30s or 40s or anything. No. This sounds like the CBS mm-hmm. Radio, Radio Mystery, Mystery Theater. Theater. It does. This it is why I brought really it up. Does. I am convinced it is. On my second go through listening to this, I became convinced that actress is Suzanne Plachette. Yeah. I know she's not, but it sure uh, sounds like Suzanne Plachette. So we had the same note, different wording. Uh. My wording went like this. Smoke much? <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, she's had a pack of cigarettes or two. Yeah, she has that Suzanne Plachette quality to her. Absolutely. Which yeah. it made in the middle of the theater of mine. It's, it's her and Bob Newhart out in <laughs> right. out Eastern the Europe. The worst vacation ever. <laughs> I was going to start the second half of this podcast with, that was Dracula from Hall of Fantasy, (laughs) to be funny. But let's talk about that. There's a lot lifted from the Dracula story. Mm -hmm. A lot. The carriage is coming into town and, and dropping them off, and there's a scary castle in town, and... It also had that feeling of the, which one was it? Uh, the Last Crusade, Indiana Jones, the guy guarding oh. the, the chalice. And, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, yes, he chose poorly, guy. Yeah. The, <laughs> that's how he was credited. <laughs> Neil, sir, he chose poorly. He... <laughs> well, no, Tim just agreed with me, and you're staring at me. Did you not get a feeling like this was certain portions of Dracula being lifted? Other than immortality and the foley of the carriage ride. Um, yeah. And I guess so, but I think the trappings of it were so different, and it was from the perspective of such a very modern-sounding couple, mm-hmm. more modern than 1950, as we already <laughs> talked about, that I felt it was in the same genre of these sort of... European folk tales of some warrior and immortality. 
Which is Dracula. Yeah, I'm, I'm on the same page with you, although I liked it. It invoked a lot of things about Dracula that I like. Without uh, all the things I don't like about Dracula, right. frankly, because I'm not a vampire fan. So maybe that's why it didn't jump out to me, because I was right. like, hey, it's the best part. Like, I really loved the sense it created of when this carriage goes by, no one will look at it. Yeah. Everyone in the city just backs off and looks right. away. And when he reveals that there are no dogs in this village, oh, yes. no dog will come into this village. So if you hear the bang of dogs, there is trouble a-brewing. It's also got a Scooby-Doo aspect to it. Uh, hey, there's a castle. Let's stay there for the night. <laughs> <laughs> that was part, again, that added to the horror for me of there's a guy sleeping. We know where he is. For years we've known where he is. We could go there any time. We just don't want to. Right. And as I was listening to it the first time, I was initially a little turned off by how easily this couple heard these scary tales and were like, well, yeah, I want to go to the castle. <laughs> mm-hmm. And that was my initial thought because mm-hmm. I was like, well, why would you do that? Of course, something horrible is going to happen if you go to that castle. But what I love about this, all they do is observe this piece of history that yep, has been yeah. happening there forever. No one dies. Right. They see this fantastical story. They find out it's true and they're staggered by it mm-hmm. and a little creeped out. But nothing bad happens. And that is such a reversal, not just of horror tropes, but Hall of Fantasy generally, one or all of the protagonists die at the end (laughs) in a lot of these stories. So I almost wondered if that was intentional to be like, no, don't go. Why are you agreeing to go? You're all going to die. Like they wanted you to feel that way because it doesn't turn out. And those are all the things that I don't like about it. That drove me crazy that he was so adamant to go. Why? You have to give me a reason why you want to go up there and why, with all of this warning, why do you go? And yes, the idea of, well, you know you're going to die. But it was more than that. It was, I need some kind of motivation for him, be it under a spell or (laughs) we've established his attitude toward life is, let's go for it. I don't know. You know, like there's something. He doesn't doesn't believe it. They've been in Europe for five months, six months, however long. They've been in Europe for a while. That I It totally made sense to me. I'm like, there's a castle on a mountain. We're here to go see stuff. All right. Way to rewrite it. But that's fine. (laughs) I know. I I see your point. I think I read it as an almost metatextual play on the writer's part in that they were playing on the horror trope of how easily people walk into danger, even though after they've been warned or told stories. But I also think there's some truth in what Tim's saying, that the script tells you that, like, no, we're here, this castle, we're not going to let anyone chase us away. We're going to go take a look at this. Which is not to say I don't have some critiques of this episode. Uh, I think from now on, anytime anyone just politely invites me to anything, it will just be, well, you put it that way, I'm calling me a coward. (laughs) 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 I just asked you to come along. (laughs) That bugged me that he was so insistent on going up there. And the other part that bugged me was what Joshua just said is nothing happened. And I know what you're saying. I get that you're saying they just observed and that's kind of cool. Not what I want. (laughs) I want something to happen to somebody i guess i, I world war ii happened eric is that so enough I, for you i guess you can't exactly say no one died i need more than the murder of hundreds of thousands of people <laughs> there's no consequence for their actions the main protagonist not all of europe no, that makes a little perfect boring. sense to me. I hear you. I just found it entertaining for the exact same reasons. And I think right. it's legitimate. It was, to me, like a really, really, really old style of telling a horror story of you hear the story about the thing, and you think, no, it can't be true. And then you see it, and it's true, and you live. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it is an older style horror story. You're right. It, like I, a ghost story ghost you story. tell. Yeah. yeah. 
and it relies heavily on that hook that it's the beginning of World War II. If that doesn't grab you, then you're right. It's just a big wah, wah, wah. <laughs> Here's what I wrote. Every time a black carriage appears at the castle, a war breaks out, right? Mm-hmm. And then the Baron goes to war, and he's a war hero, and then he returns. There's not enough explanation for me as to what's happening. I want a connection between the Baron and the war. Like, who is in the carriage? Who is the baby much say crying reference? Satan. They yeah. use the word okay. Satan. <laughs> they Did tell they? you explicitly. Uh, yep. Yeah, he made a deal with Satan. All right. And he takes away all of his loved ones. It's a pretty but, creepy so the, sound effect when the baby's crying as yeah. the carriage drives away. Who is the baby, though? Is that Satan? Was the, yeah, yes. <laughs> is that Satan? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Because I have a different version of Satan in my head. <laughs> he it's he the traded his child. own child for an extended life and victory in war. So the first time the carriage comes, leaves the crying baby, Baron comes out and says, my son is gone. 21 years later, takes the wife. Who That is a marriage that can survive. I guess. <laughs> 21 years after you gave my baby to Satan. <laughs> That's unforgiving. <laughs> after 21 years of counseling, Satan came back and took her. <laughs> Um, I have this note. I'm hoping you guys can help me with this, too. Uh, I wrote this, and I can't remember why. Let me go in the name of... Ah! <laughs> what was that all about? Why did I write that down? Was That, that was moment? the wife as she was being dragged off. Okay, thank you. <laughs> I don't know why I wrote it down. I was like, why, why do I have that? It must have made me giggle. <laughs> um, here's another quick issue, and, and this has to do with it being a contemporary piece, which I'm convinced it was a 70s contemporary piece. I also got hugely distracted right away when it entered my head that the guy sounded exactly like Fred Willard. And I could not. This may have been Fred Willard and Suzanne Plachette. Yeah, <laughs> I could not. See, shake that only it. makes it better. For <laughs> <laughs> well, I love Fred Willard, but it, everything came off to me then like some kind of smart-ass best-in-show comment, you know, like <laughs> like it wasn't real. I think the script is clearly a script from the fifties. Yes. And so I think yes. part of the charm of this for me is that it had more contemporary performances matched with an older style of horror. I mean, even in the 50s, this was an old style of horror. And Thorne in the Hall of Fantasy was reaching backwards even then to write this type of story. And so the contrast between this far more naturalistic performances out of the leads than I'm used to hearing in, in this yeah. type of story really made it feel a little weird to me in an enjoyable way yeah, enjoyable weird raves <laughs> Joshua <laughs> I had another little sort of logic question of so if Satan makes this deal with the town I'm going to send a dog to warn you the night before the carriage shows up right I'm going to go to all that trouble and I'm going to make sure the dog is only heard by an American tourist thank you <laughs> who might or might not think to tell anyone thank you for bringing that up Joshua <laughs> explain explain <laughs> uh, wow I think that her husband barks in his sleep and that's what she was hearing um, yeah I just think Satan has unruly dogs I don't think he sends them I don't think he can control them I don't think they have a lot of training schools in hell <laughs> that's a bad dog <laughs> Where do bad dogs go? Hell, so, yeah, hell. without training schools. <laughs> I'm just imagining him in the carriage, like, "Will someone get those dogs?" <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm trying to 
trying to be all mysterious and scary. I got a baby to steal. The dogs won't shut up. <laughs> I think overall, I got distracted by the contemporary style of it. I got distracted by Fred Willard being in it. <laughs> I got distracted by, as Joshua said, the idea that they're nothing but observers of a story. I guess I wanted a consequence for their impetuous action of we are going no matter what, and there was nothing. But you might be absolutely right that we're being set up completely to believe that there's going to be a consequence and there's not one, and that's the point of doing that. I don't know if it's the point or if it was intentional. It it might just be an accidental effect of the style of story they chose to present, but it's very different from other Hall of Fantasies and and it breaks the expectations uh, for a horror story like this. Here's where I love it. If you take out our observer narrators, if you take out the two American tourists, if I can hear this story, and I think it's really cool, you know, that this carriage comes up and takes his baron, and we know it's going to be war. And this, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like from somebody else's angle, someone else's perspective, I like that part of the story a lot, even though it has some similarities. But what doesn't? It's a castle in Europe is all Dracula. But I like that. I just, I think I was distracted and do not like the point of view that it came mm-hmm. from. And nothing happened to them. And I really wanted Suzanne and Fred to. <laughs> Take a header. <laughs> I really enjoyed this. I, and thank you so much, Will, for, for recommending it to, to us. I loved the weird texture of the Triangle Castle and how that was yeah. described in detail. I do like that. Uh, I just love that it, it's a really old-fashioned style of story. You see this thing, and just for a second, the monster turns and looks at you, and that's all it is. That connection with the world beyond, and it's it's so slight and so, by contemporary standards, ridiculous. Mm. Um, but I, it has a big impact, I think, what it really means to have a dead man look at, not a dead man, an undead man look at you. Yeah, I have to agree with Tim against my better judgment. Wow. <laughs> what is <No>. happened? <laughs> I would not call this a classic. I, mm-hmm. Even debating on the stance to test the time, because I think it is this weird amalgamation of things from different times with the performances mm-hmm. and the script from the 50s that actually is a throwback to an even older style of more like late 1800s, early yeah. 1900s ghost story. I found it just terribly interesting. So I would definitely say this is historically interesting and was really fun to listen to for me it did jumped out at me before this request like i had heard it before and went this is really different i liked it like i said i like the main story part i just don't like where the story came from like why i had from to will, from will. <laughs> i hate that guy will <laughs> listening listening supporting, supporting our, our <laughs> no i don't like the uh, the narrative point of view, the point of view yeah, of the yeah. story is what I could do without. Even just a guy telling me the story about what happens in this yeah. town every You want years. a script to hunker into the action. And, yeah, and, and not, that's always uh, what I'm saying. Not mosey around it. And that's what this whole story is about, mm-hmm. really. Yeah. And there's no reason for them to go in and observe it. Just tell me that that happens. In my head, when they found the guy, mm-hmm. he, he was poking him in the forehead to see if he... <laughs> <laughs> Doink, doink. You wake? You wake wake, yet? You You wake? wake. He's like opening his eyelids. (laughs) Like if I could just walk a mile and find a lich, (laughs) that'd be crazy. Thank you, Will, so much for listening, and thank you for the request, and thanks to everybody. 
Tim, tell them some things. Please go visit ghoulishdelights.com. There's a number of things you can find there. One, you can find other episodes of this podcast. You can find information about live shows that we do. You can find ways to contact us, both just through the website and through social media. That's a great way if you have a request to let us know. We'll add it to our very long list, but we will get to it by gum. And you'll also find a link to our Threadless store where you can go buy swag. We're going to get a t-shirt that says, buy gum. Buy gum. (laughs) (laughs) You made us both laugh. (laughs) You're a hundred. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You can also go to patreon.com and support the Mysterious Old Radio Listening Society. You can become a member yourself. Uh, We've got a lot of fun rewards for membership. You can get a membership card, a button. You can get a access to our members only podcast the secrets of the mysterious old radio so yeah consider that and check it out and also go to itunes and write a little review of this um podcast tell us what you think all right and tim you have the next episode that is right we are going to be listening to an episode of murder at midnight entitled the kabbalah until then do you still wish to visit to Novoka Castle? No, Chris. Bob, we're due at the houses in two hours. I am not going to cancel again. 